It's another edition of Baseball and Beyond, and today, my pleasure to talk to the Cardinals hitting coach and all-around good guy, John Mabry. Hi, John. Hey, Brad. Welcome to the podcast. I know you've been wanting to do this and, and just waiting, and the, the anticipation has been getting to you so much. Congratulations on your, your visit. Yeah, I've been, I woke up all flutter this morning thinking about this the whole time, so it's been exciting so far. This is uh, what, four years for you now as a hitting coach. Does it get any easier? Tell me a little bit about the process every year now as, as you go on each year kind of learning on the fly, but now you're a, you're a Major League Baseball hitting coach and you've done it four years. Uh, we just take every situation the way it comes, you know, and every year it presents itself differently. Uh, there, there are some similarities, but uh, the way it happens, the way it plays out in real time changes uh, slightly from year to year, from guy to guy. Uh, you just got to kind of take it as it comes and, and, and try to, you know, take on everything that comes with uh, whatever presents. What about your role? Is it psychologist? Is it uh, more mechanics? Like, how do you? Is and is that kind of hitting coach by hitting coach? How does that work? Yeah, it's all depending on what your philosophy is. And at this level, you know, these guys uh, kind of understand what they need to do and how they need to do it. And uh, basically, you're another set of eyes for them. And, and uh, you know, some guys take more care than others, and other guys you just. Uh, set their alarm clock and tell them what time to be here you know it's it's you know like I said on a read kind of read basis and, and knowing the guys and knowing what makes them tick and how they uh, prepare and what they're looking to do and what they're looking to get out of you know their bats and their year and, and their their skills and you just kind of like I said read, read it from everybody and, and they'll tell you you know you just got to keep watching you know the old yogiism you know you learn a lot by observing so watching you know and, and that kind of stuff so it's um you just watch them and, and and understand where they are and try to meet them where they are and, and not, and not uh, you know, uh, try to change people. You try to help people, and there's a difference, you know, and you just try to provide some, some insights when they need them and, and learn when to back off when you need to and just play each guy the way they, uh, the way they present it. Which one is it? How much is it, or percentage-wise, mechanical versus mental? Is it 50-50? Is it 75 mental? I know baseball seems more mental than anything, really. No, it's, way, it's more, way more mental, you know. And uh, Again, that's another thing. It's like biggest thing is to try to get people to relax and hit but if they have a mechanical flaw that's not allowing them to relax and hit what do you got you know a chicken or an egg and so you just you try to figure out you know what's kind of the limiting factor in what they're doing and, and that limiting factor uh, hopefully you can either curtail it or, or improve it enough where they have a, a chance to succeed on a daily basis or make things happen the way they want them to make happen and understand what's what and so you know, some things are mechanical, some, some things are mental. And, and this deal, you know, playing, the actual playing of the game is, is a lot mental. It's, uh, you know, you, your, your ability to get out there and compete no matter what you have going on. If you have something that's holding you back or whatever, you just like, when you step in between the lines, uh, your mindset is to compete today and grind out at a bat and, and uh, make do with what you have at that particular time. Tell me the philosophy of if this is a philosophy or if these are just odd things that happen. 2013, the runners in scoring position numbers were out of sight, crazy. 2015, there wasn't a lot of offense. 2016, it's all about home runs. It's crazy how basically the same group. You get some different guys here and there, but just is that some sort of philosophy or is that just that's baseball? That's what happens. Uh, it's a lot of that's baseball, you know, and it's also personnel. You know, we've made some changes and got some folks here that, that can hit the ball out of a ballpark. And, uh, that ability, and, and this year they're also doing well with runners in scoring positions, like they did, in, you know, earlier in that year that you mentioned, the 214. But um, it's just, uh, you know, who, who do you have? And, and like last year, was, you say there was no offense, but we lost our three hitter, four hitter, five hitter, seven hitter. And what team in baseball can go on and do that and maintain the level? I didn't. Of what I they had. slower off. So. Yeah, yeah, whatever. You, <laughs> you left that part out. See, the deal with that is, it's like you, you, you make do with what you have, and, and 
every day, no matter what you have or what you don't have, the game's going to go on. And you have to go out here and you have to perform and the guys have to perform. And if you don't have, you know, the personnel that's has the ability to, to set out to make the numbers that were expected is, well, the numbers might have changed because of the expectations of the guys that are in the, in the lineup today or, or in a course of season. You know, you lose your three and four hitter for over 100 games, there's going to be a dent in your numbers. There's just there's no getting around that. Uh, the, the process with that is, is somebody else has to step up or you have to do something else well in order to make up for that sort of stuff. And every game's different. You have to win a game today no matter what presents. Like two nights ago, we had a pitcher driving the only run and he pitched a shutout. Well, man, we'll take it. You know what I mean? And, let, you know, just the way it comes down, it's just, uh, you know, if it's 10 to 7 or, or 3 to nothing, you, you got a three run lead, you got to protect a three run lead. If it's 1 to nothing, you know, you got to you score two. And so. It's just the way every game over 162 games, a lot of stuff's going to come out in the wash, and, and you'll have you know abnormalities where you know it's a flyer, you know, and guys hit with scoring position, they hit with runners in second, they something happens where it's a trend, and you know, oh, they're applying to do that, and it just happens sometimes, you know. But the way we want it to happen is the guys grind out at bats every day, and every day they go out there, they give themselves a chance to succeed and give it a team a chance to win. It's hard though because sometimes people are like, "Oh, look at this! Mabry's a genius. They've got the wrist." It's and uh, Mabry, you know, isn't that hard to hear? Or how does that work for you when you think about, or do you even care about that kind of criticism? Well, I really don't hear you're a genius a lot. I can tell you that, but, but straight out. But the well, you are is, this year the home runs. You're a genius uh, this year. You know what I mean? Isn't that? It's got to be a weird thing. I think it's it's a, to me it's very odd that that happens because it's the players do the things. Players do their things, and, and the players is what make this thing go. Um, I think you're a genius, by the way. If anyone cares, I'm never going to be accused of that. I can assure <laughs> you. But uh, no, you know the, the people that don't want to be criticized are people that don't do anything. And if you're going to do something that, you know, obviously is is deeply rooted in passion and people's love for a game and their hometown team and whatever if, if you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing they're going to have some choice words for you you know on the other hand is as, as a, a coach in this realm is you're here for the players and you're here to make their careers you make their years make their at bats uh, go smoothly you know and you're here for them and what they want out of it and, and it takes you know and that kind of deal coaching teaching whatever it is is a two-way street you know you have to have people that are hungry available and teachable and then you have to have the information to, to help them out uh, and everything that you see is not always real when you're watching from afar. So, you know, sometimes you can see a spider web, but you don't see the spider inside the web. And so you really don't, you know, everybody can say, hey, man, just make him do this. But, you know, you can say that all you want, and it just doesn't translate into a game sometimes. So you just got to keep working around problems and, and keep taking a different angle and different approach to them. And, and you can't worry about what people are saying. you got to worry about what your, where your guys are and how you're preparing those guys to succeed. We'll finish with uh, the team this year, but I wanted to. You're obviously a longtime Cardinal, 1996, 20 years ago. Uh, you were a rookie in 95, but the 96 team, I always tell you that I'm, how much I love talking about that team because you had a manager in 95 with Joe Torrey. In 96, they bring in the whole Oakland contingent, and there was a mutiny, I think, from uh, some of the guys we've talked to over the years, Pagnazzi and Brian Jordan, and the fact that that team came together. Just tell me how crazy it was at the beginning of that year with that new leadership and the fact that you guys pulled it together and got one win away from a World Series. Well, I mean, that's, that's exactly what happened. Is new leadership, and they were brought in here to kind of change the atmosphere and what the perception of the atmosphere was. And so uh, you're always going to butt heads when that happens because the people that have been here are, are accustomed to it one way, and people who are coming have an expect, expectation of what it's supposed to be like a, a different way. So, um, you know, those two things really lead to sometimes some 
some rocky roads, but, you know, among those rocky roads is rocks bump against each other, make them smooth, you know, and you just kind of get through that, that point of rough, and uh, hopefully that you're in a position to uh, to go somewhere in the end, and we were, you know, we should have, we were ahead of the Braves, you know, 3-1, and, and uh, but they come back, they had a trio of pitchers that, you know, had the ability to stop us in our tracks, and, and they did just that. How much fun was it, though? That was a fun group, and uh, you had some stories from that year, and, uh, I mean, you we're still a kid, though, and you played a big role in that team. And uh, just talk about some of those teammates, Brian Jordan and Tom Pagnazzi, and, and you had the Eck, and you had all. I mean, really, Todd Stottlemyre comes over. It just was such a fun team. Yeah, it was. A lot of talent on that team, and the guys that they brought in. You know, that, that regime brought in a lot of good players and a lot of players that really changed the culture of Cardinal baseball uh, with a many, winning mentality from, from day one in spring training all the way till the run of October. And, and uh, you know, that part of... Of that I'll never forget is because it's kind of what shaped me as a, as a player, uh, as a person, as a teammate, as a coach. Uh, some of those things that you see along the way is uh, is the things that shape you, you know, for the future. So it was kind of cool to see how intense those guys were, uh, the way they went about their business, the way they prepared for, for baseball, what their expectations were when they were on the field, uh, what it took to be part of a winning team, you know, team-wise, player-wise, coach-wise, what was expected of you, and, and uh, you know that whole group kind of shaped this run of what, what's going on here in, for for a long time here in St. Louis baseball. There was a time there. You've told this story. I love it. I want you to kind of relay it again and maybe give us a little more detail. When you uh, you're at first base, uh, you're playing the Braves uh, again, and uh, there's a, a moment where Tony looks over at you, and you might have had a chuckle. Just give us a little bit about because that was early. I think that was early on in the season, but it was one of those watershed moments where the team said. Hey, Tony, let's back off. Give us a little bit about that day. Uh, it was one of the things that happened in your career that, again, shapes you. Uh, <laughs> you know, whether it's good, bad, or indifferent at the time, it, it, it's not special when you go through it. Um, but you're right, it was. I think we had blown a lead the night before, and, and this particular night, um, uh, Fred McGriff had just had a long at bat. I think it was against Tony Fosses. And when he got down to first, he said, man, that guy's tough to face. And I said, yeah, I know what you mean. That's all I said to him. And, uh, I got accused of laughing and joking and not caring about the score and that kind of stuff. And so basically calling out my character. Uh, didn't, didn't have a real positive response to that, obviously. Um, got to be a point where it, it kind of boiled over in the dugout, boiled over in the clubhouse. Um, and it just wasn't uh, wasn't a pretty scene for a while, you know. And, and it was actually a turning point for the club because the club kind of rallied around whatever they rallied around. And, and uh, you know, we made a, made a, a, a conscious choice to to play together and, and, and be a team. And, and uh, from that point on, we, we played some pretty good baseball and we ended up going to the playoffs because of it. But, uh, you know, that's one of them rocky roads that you talk about. It's like, you know, rocks bouncing together, make it smooth. And, and it took some friction in there that, that, that kind of set the team on a, on a, on a path. So it was, it was not fun while I was going through it, but it, it, to look back, it taught me a lot. You move on to Seattle. I've never really asked you about playing for the Mariners, but you did uh, play with Alex Rodriguez and Ricky Henderson, which I, I'd have to imagine you have some sort of Ricky Henderson story, or do you not? Or what was it like playing with Ricky? And Ricky's the best. Ricky, ask Ricky. Ricky's the best. Uh, you know, there's another public perception is not true. Ricky was a real smart guy in baseball sense, you know what I mean? And you might not give him, you know, whatever credit you want to give him, but uh, he understood what he was good at. He understood the game. He understood people. He understood how to prepare, how to prepare uh, what was involved and, you know, in his talents and what made him him, but you know that that whole group there was you know A. Rod, Edgar Martinez, Jay Buhner, uh, Ichiro, 
uh, Randy Wynn, John Olerud, um, you know, name list goes on and on and on. It's about, you know, how, how quality folks were there. And, 116 know, wins later, a couple yeah. of years later. Yeah, so. I mean, it's like you don't get that opportunity to win 100 games. It's like people don't understand how hard being 500 is in this league, let alone winning 100 games in this league. And, and uh, it doesn't come very often. So uh, it's just, uh, you know, one of those stops along the way that you, you just keep gaining knowledge because of the people you meet and the, and the, the, uh, the times that you put in and the situations you put in is just understand a different look at baseball because it's uh, American League there's a DH and it's a different style game and, and so all these things you know present themselves along the way that they kind of help shape who you are couple more minutes with John. I appreciate your time. Moneyball, you're in a movie. You play for the A's, and everyone, I can't believe that there's a movie made about this team, but you're, uh, you're just, you're, you're, you see yourself in a movie. What is that like? And you've, you've also said, yeah, it's a movie about a wonderful 20-game winning streak. About That's about it. <laughs> uh, no, it's actually, I mean, if you look back, it's also changed the shape of baseball. It was another one of those watershed moments and for the game in total. It was about how you know small market teams are trying to compete with the big boys without uh, spending the money or the capability of spending the money, so they had to find a different way to, to you know, evaluate talent, put put a price on talent, and, you know what it was. And, and um, the movie was took some liberties, obviously, uh, you know. And um, but the guys that were there knew what was going on and understood what they were. But there are also some pretty darn good players there, uh, and doing some pretty special things, you know, with the, the starting with the big three and Hults, uh, Hudson, Mulder, and Zito, and. and uh, you know, had David Justice at the end, and uh, you had Miguel Tejada and Chavez, you know, two MVP candidates, gold glovers, all-stars, the whole nine yard. Ramon Hernandez was back there, Terrence Long, you know. and Jonah Hill. Jonah Hill, yeah. That's the guy. And, uh, you know, Eric Burns was just coming up then and starting the career. But, um, you know, it's Corey Lytle was four, Harang was five. I mean, so there were some good, good players on that team, and, and people underestimate, you know, what the quality of people were there and, and what they were doing. And, and uh, you know, it didn't matter kind of the situation, how folks got there. They made a conscious choice that they were going to play the game the right way and, and play it hard and ended up, you know, winning 20 games in a row. Another thing that doesn't happen in this league, you know, it's a record for the American League. And uh, it's just a part of another part of things that shape you and what you've seen in the game and, and how, you know, you saw people go about it, how you went about it and, and, and uh, you know, what, was involved in that kind of streak in that kind of season. We ended up going to playoffs, you know. We lost out to the Twins, but it was uh, another great, great event in my my career that shaped me. You had so many managers, and uh, and I know you talked about Lou Pinella, but you had Tony. So what did you take from what you learned throughout your career to what you're doing now? Because uh, why are you laughing? <laughs> That's a funny story. We just saw Lou Pinella the other day in Cincinnati, and Lou, Lou was standing between David Bell and I, which he both managed, and. and uh, he asked David what he learned from Lou, and he said, mostly good. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just funny. We got a chuckle out of it because you do. You learn you know, good and bad from everybody or everything or every situation. You can take good or bad based on what you've seen and based on how the results were. So uh, you know, having managers like you know, Lou, Tony, Bochy, uh, Dusty, uh, you know, all the big prominent names in, in the game, Boa and, and Art Howe and, and you know, it's um, it's just something that you learn, you know. It's the more people you can be around in this game, the more you can pick their brains and expand your knowledge base of what's going on, how people see the game, how they operate in the game, how they play the game, how they participate in, you know, getting a team to where they need to go. And and, and Lou said something pretty, you know, profound the other day. It's like you got to be yourself. 
in order to be yourself, you have to have a good staff around you, and you have to present, you know, the proper stuff for the players. And, and so, you can always pick up something by what you hear from other people, the way they, they approached what they did. So, yeah. and then Tony used you a lot as because he, he used the bench. Lou seemed not to. He said sometimes you sat for 20 days. So that that's got to be something that you can kind of impart. And you're not the manager, but it's something that you and Mike, Mike, you guys are obviously great friends. Is why you're here. I mean, it's got to be some some of the things you guys both learn from different managers. And how much? I mean, does I'm sure Mike is still talking to these guys, right? I mean, is that how it still works, or is he finally saying, you know what, I'm going to do my thing? No, it's all about communication. That's the whole deal with this thing. It's a 162 day season with a 30 some day spring training. It's over 200 days that you're grinding it out. I mean, people can take a vacation for six months to France, come back, and we're still grinding it out, you know. And so you need your personnel, you need your people, you need people to be, you know, participating in, in what you do. And obviously, the American League game was different because you got a DH pitcher gets tired, you go changing. National League, if he's crapping out in the third inning, somebody's hitting, somebody's coming in in the fifth inning, then the seventh inning, and then you know, so it's, it sets off a whole series of events, and so it's totally different. Uh, approach totally different setup for a player uh, your mindset and how you approach how you're coming into the game what you're going to be called upon to do DH you could go out to lunch you know and because you're not playing unless somebody gets hurt and, and with a team like you know Olerud and Edgar and Alex and Ichiro and Wynn and, and Cameron and buddy if one of them ain't hurt you just might as well hang out Jack because you ain't playing because you know in American League they're eight deep and everybody's hitting so it's uh, different mindset, but it's again one of those things that you watch, you learn, you understand how people run games, how they, how they use their bench, how they uh, use their personnel, and you get a good idea of, of you know what it takes and what it looks like. I forgot about Mike Cameron, how good he was. Lastly, this team this year, we've watched. Um, you know, obviously, the Cubs have, have set the pace, but it does seem like there is a feeling, it, to me at least, just watching that you guys feel like if you get to the tournament. This team is good enough. I mean, this happened so many times as we've watched this team over the last 20 years. Is that a sense? I know obviously you have to get there and you can't just kind of sleepwalk, but this team is, is just too good not to be in that tournament, it seems like. Well, that's the thing. Is you, you just you keep grinding it out till you get there, man, and grinding it out till you get there. And then when you, once you get there, it doesn't matter what you've done. You are where you are. And, and that team, you've seen it time and time again where the team that's hottest the team that's the hottest is the team that has a chance to win it all you know and it doesn't necessarily mean they're the best team so it's um you just keep grinding it out man grinding it out you're not done until you're done you know and you're never as bad as people say you are you're never as good as people say you are so you just keep every day you keep coming out here and trying to grind out wins it's a good team uh, real quick just through a couple hitters and then we'll be done and i really appreciate your time i I'm, you're having fun right this is fun we're living the past um a lot of people First, obviously, want to know uh, about Randall Gritchick. Everyone knows he's got super talent. Seems like he has super talent. What, what are you seeing out of what he's been doing this year? And he, it just feels like he's so close. He has these runs. What, what do you think? It's exactly right. He's grown in the league, and everybody thinks that you can come into this league and throw your spikes out here and you, you can participate. But it doesn't happen that way. These people are the best in the world. And the guys on the mound drive a nice car, too. You know what I mean? And they understand how to get people out. And so you got the, the fastest information moves now and so you can't hide from anybody you can't hide any warts that you have and so these teams know that when they come in here they're going to try to exploit them as as best they can whether they execute or not is a different story if they miss execution you got a chance if they execute guess what you're in trouble so uh with with him personally he's just growing man and he's a young guy he's just trying to establish himself in the league and it's not always easy and it's not always instant uh there might be some setbacks along the way but in the long run 
those setbacks are the things that carry you for the longevity of your career because you learn things along the way that don't don't work and then you try to figure out a way that will work and then when you come back you have the ability to set yourself up for for future successes and uh, the talent is off the charts there's no you know there's not many folks in baseball that have his talent set uh, but there's a separator in this league. It's called execution, right? And so as, as, as much as you can execute it, that's when your talent shines. And so um, he's on the pace to learn that. He's, he's growing at his own rate. He's making spurts. He's making strides. Um, but at this point in time, it's like it's better for him to be playing every day. And so that's where, why he is where he is right now. Last guy and last question. I, I think Cardinal fans really love Colton Wong, and they just root so hard for him. Um, and, and from my conversations with him, I feel like there's a lot of mental things he could break through. What do you see in, in Colton? Again, a guy who we know, he hit 450 everywhere. I mean, it's not like he just. What were your thoughts on Colton as we uh, finish up? It's the same thing, you know, growing in the league and, and understanding how these guys pitch you and, and how to approach that. And, and sometimes that approach is, is the thing to get you through. So. Uh, again, learning in the league, going to take some time to, to get his feet on the ground. There's a lot of pressures that come with, you know, stuff outside the baseball, whether it's contracts or whether it's, you know, perceived perception of what you should be doing or how you should be doing it. And uh, all these things pr- provide challenges for these guys. And, and these guys are navigating, young guys, navigating through, through challenges in this league. And it's never... Uh, 100% guaranteed that you're going to have success. It's, it, there's a lot of turmoil that you have to go through that, that grows you as a player. And, and again, the times stink when you're going through it. They stink when you're watching it. But you know, those are usually the times that, that you grow the most as a player. And when you come out the other side, you, you have the ability to, to, to play for a long period of time because of what you learn and what you went through. Well, that's part one with John Mabry. Part two, no, I'm just <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> hey, John, thank you very much. Appreciate your time. We do this once a year. We have a nice chat, and I, I enjoyed it. I hope you did. All right, buddy. I appreciate you having All me. All right. That's John Mabry, the Cardinals hitting coach. We appreciate his time on Baseball and Beyond. Subscribe on iTunes and follow me on Twitter at Brad Stravager. We'll talk to you next time.